Kinks and Beats Daily. I am your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for downloading today's podcast. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, um, we've got some new stuff over at HeroHabit.com, including a community that has some revamped features and a discussion board um, specific to Kinks and Beats Daily. So we can go over there and chat about the Kinks and the Beatles in a very peaceful um, in you know, social networking environment among like-minded fans, but you have to join to join us. So swing over to herohabit.com and find the community and join the group. We'd love to have you there and to get some conversations started that are, um, I'll just leave it at that. We're not Facebook guys. It's better than Facebook because it's ours. All right. Um, also, you can go to um, herohabit.com and in the shop section, there's a way to contribute to this podcast now. For $4 a month, you can help keep this uh, podcast going and ad free. That's all we're, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, you can cancel the subscription anytime you want. And um, like I mentioned yesterday, we'll produce some exclusive content for those subscribers. I don't know. Um, what it will be yet, but we will figure that out and definitely get you some exclusive content that that won't get distributed to the um, to the general podcast. So if you could do that, swing by um, and do that. And if you would mind leaving a iTunes review, a five stars with a review and a rating, I would appreciate that. We got one over the weekend from El Rolu. Said, when I saw Tony was covering Sweet Lady Genevieve on only the second episode, I knew this was going to be a good podcast. This goes deeper than the typical Kinks and Beatles podcast that only cover the well-trodden tunes. Well worth a listen. Tony, do more album-length reviews, please. I will. Okay? Jeez. Everybody's bugging me to do these hour-long episodes. I'll get to them all, folks. I promise. Um, the, the, I'd, I'd like to alternate them like I do the episodes. So the next one would be a kinks related album. Um, and I know which one I want to do since we're in 2020, I would like to do Lola next for the 50th anniversary, but we'll get to them all. I promise we will get to them all. All right. So today is January 23rd. And on this day in 1982, the kinks perform at uh, Proctor theater in Schenectady, New York with Brian Adams opening for them. The show's reviewer called it the finest rock show ever at Proctor's. Quite high praise. Um, I couldn't find an official set list, uh, and, and their set list changed from night to night on the tour. But the night prior and the night following, they did play the song Destroyer as part of their set, which was the uh, the single from the previous year. And today we're talking about Destroyer, which was released August 15th, 1981. So just a few months before this concert I'm talking about on the album, Give the People What They Want. And as a single, September 28th, 1981, uh, backed with Back to Front. Now, full disclosure, I like Back to Front better. So I would have flipped it to the B side more often. But Destroyer is a good tune. The single charted number three on the Billboard Rock Top Tracks. Um, which I don't think is a chart they have anymore. I could be wrong. Um, but 85 on the Hot 100. So it was a top 100 hit. And, uh, I mean, it got some airplay. It's a cool tune. I actually really like this one. It features, uh, it's grounded on the riff to All Day and All of the Night. And makes references to the song Lola. I mean, the first line of the song, met a girl called Lola and I took her back to my place. 
And then it's all about paranoia. Paranoia is the real destroyer. Girl, I want you here with me, but I'm really not as cool as I'd like to be because there's a red under because uh, there's a red under my bed and there's a little yellow man in my head and there's a true blue inside of me that keeps stopping me, touching me, touching you, watching you, loving you. Paranoia, the destroyer. Well, I fell asleep, then I woke feeling kind of queer. Lola looked at me and said, oh, you look so weird. She said, man, there's really something wrong with you. One day you're going to self-destruct. You're up, you're down. I can't work you out. You got a good thing going, then you blow yourself out. Silly boy, you self-destroyer. It's a pretty good lyric, actually. Just talking about the paranoia. And maybe it's autobiographical. Um... This song was the only song not recorded at their conch studios in London for this album. It was recorded at the power station in New York during the summer of 1979 while they were recording songs for Low Budget, their previous album, which was uh, primarily recorded at the power station. And Mick Avery attributes the power station, the ambience there, to why this song sounds the way it sounds. And it was intended for the low-budget album. What was held off? They couldn't get a good mix or whatever. Um, so it was held off for another album. I think this track is a great example of the band's influence on punk and their ability to slide around genres because he's simultaneously performing this. And I'm speaking, Ray, about his vocal delivery. The band is pretty grounded in just a straight-ahead rock, almost punk vibe. But Ray is kind of dancing around this punk vibe and this glam rock vibe. And and you can hear in the tone of his voice, he 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 you know he approaches the edges of some of his campier stuff, but somehow keeps it grounded. And maybe it's the band that keeps him grounded. So he can float around all this little campiness, but because the band is just rocking out underneath him, um, it all works and it doesn't ever cross that line into being camp, even though it is a, a guitar riff from 15 years prior and a lyrical content, or at least a character from a decade earlier, almost um, it could have easily gone the way of being like a, a novelty song, but it's not. It's a good, it's a good, it was a good choice for the single. Like I said, I think Back to Front is the better song um, with the, with the cooler chorus, but it's not, it's not a bad single. What I really also like is that it feels like a live recording and you didn't get that much in the late seventies period. It was very easy for the band to do too many takes and all the, all the records sound great. And the mix is good and the production is solid, but some of the energy gets sucked out. I've talked about this previously. I'll talk about it again in the future. Some of the energy gets sucked out of some of these recordings um, where you hear a great song and you go, that would be great live, but it doesn't feel live in the studio. This one still feels live. And, and partially, I think it's because it's there's a lot of air in this recording. Um, you hear more of the room on the drum track, you hear more of the room on the vocal track and the electric guitar, which I presume is mostly Dave is crunchy without all the, um, phasing effects that he's going to utilize a lot through this period and into the eighties. Right. So it's got that crunch that, that 
overdrive and everything, but it's not so overly af- affected that it it fills out the rest of the recording. It, there's some room in these guitar parts. And the phase guitar sounds cool when he uses it, but it's like uh, it's like filling a room full of cotton, right? You can make your way through, but the room is full. And that's kind of what that phasing does uh, to a recording. It's like it, it, it fills it out, it fleshes it out, it, it almost orchestrates it, you know, as if you were adding strings or something. But because of that, because it's filling it out and making it thicker and denser, you know, you get a lot of mileage out of not doing much on the guitar. And so it just, it fills it up with just by sucking the air out of it, not really by adding any contextual musical stuff to it. So I really like the guitar tone on this. I really wish there are some songs uh, like Labor of Love. I wish utilized this guitar tone versus the heavily phased guitar tone that it did utilize because I just, the crunch on this guitar sounds so cool. Uh, it's mostly, like I said, it's mostly driven off of the all day and all the night guitar riff. Oops. My, uh, But then we get the paranoia and it's all on upbeats. So we're going All those are on upbeats. And it's just a, it's a pretty simple right um, if you're doing it on the on the guitar, you could play it off of um Well, this uh, this tab I'm looking at is incorrect. He's playing. He's, you can play it with just power chords, like off the seventh fret, and it's alternating from the five uh, rooted on the fifth string to rooted on the sixth string. Then slide down two frets, and then that takes you back to where the main riff is. You can just do it as power chords. By by this time, they are using power chords instead of full bar chords like they did in the early 60s. And that's the meat and the potatoes of the song. Uh, There's some great guitar work. There's some cool lead shredding towards the end that I always appreciate when Dave gets to shred a little bit on, on these later era, like late 70s songs because the guitars are helping him do some of the heavy lifting where it's like, he might have got a distorted sound in the early 60s, but he wasn't really overdriving the amp where the amp was helping his guitar playing. He was working extra hard. But when you've got the amps of this period where you can crank up the gain and all that kind of stuff, um, all of a sudden you can do things on guitar that you couldn't do before. And he really shines with utilizing this, you know, this equipment that has come up to the level that he was envisioning in the mid-60s you know, when he, when he got that crunchy sound, now the technology has met up with him. And this is an innovation that I think we can thank the kinks for more than anybody else is, um, you know, we talk about the Beatles, their innovations in the studio with 
techniques and machinery that was built to accommodate these techniques that we still use today. Um, I think you can thank the kinks for every guitar amp that's come out that's got extra gain and distortion and stuff on it. You can thank the kinks for, right? And being able to overdrive your guitar tone and all that kind of stuff, I think you can draw a direct line to um, to their influence on music for that. So that's um, Destroyer. There's not a ton to talk about on this one. It's a good song. Um, I would suggest listening to it. It is on our Spotify playlist as all of our songs from this week have been. So go check that out. And like I said, swingbyheroehabit.com to uh, get involved in our Kinks and Beats community group. Give me a phone call, 925-494-1739. I'm still looking for your one pick, the one album you would take to Mars as the only music you could listen to that's either by the Kinks or the Beatles. You can only take one. I want to hear your pick for it and why. 925-494-1739. And of course, you can email me kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. And like I said, swing by the store. And if you are so inclined um, to support this podcast in such a way, uh, consider subscribing for $4 a month just to help us offset the cost of this show and provide you some exclusive content. All right. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.